Welcome to another episode of the Penny and Pops podcast under the MagicBasketballOnline.com name. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Let's go! So before we jump into our main topic, uh, do the Magic have the best or one of the best front courts in the Eastern Conference? I have a confession to make. Um, unfortunately, due to some of my vacationing, I'm starting to peel from, from my arms. Um, I don't know what your situation is, Spencer, because obviously you and I have completely different skin, and you, and you kind of burn, but I don't think you peel much, so... Um, <laughs> I'm like Conan O'Brien. I just I get burnt and burnt and burnt to a crisp. Okay, that's fair enough. But uh, thankfully, the uh, the invention of t-shirts, or at least lengthy sleeve t-shirts, has uh, has done me well. So uh, hopefully, uh, I will get over my peeling crisis real soon. If you hear any static on this episode, it's just Adam's dead skin falling down into the microphone. <laughs> and I don't have a cover for this mic, so that might be possible. We'll see how that goes. Uh, so before we go into the that main topic of, of checking out in the East Front Courts, uh, I want to go through kind of some of the things that have been going on this week. Uh, if anyone's been listening to some podcasts around there, there's kind of been some magic topics going about of late. One of them being uh, Chauncey Billups was on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast, or one of his 12 that he's whipped out over the past few weeks because of all the Summer League stuff. But uh, as you may or may not know, Chauncey Billups almost became a member of Frank Vogel's coaching staff. The lead member. Uh, apparently the Magic went at him hard. They gave him a pretty good uh, monetary offer as well. And Woj kind of opening up the podcast kind of went at him a little, went after Billups to kind of just poke and prod at him as far as what what was offered and what was said or whatnot. Billups seems pretty happy with his cushy uh, ESPN gig. A lot of athletes do. I hear you get paid pretty damn well for that. Um, you know, it seems like he's more interested in being in the front office than on actual bench right now, based off what I heard. Uh, you know, he had a lot of comp- good things to say about the Magic. He he loves Vogel. He loves you know when he was in Boston, Vogel was just getting started in Boston as well. Um, you know, he loves Scott Perry, and he's got you know he likes Rob Hennigan as well. So it seems like if if he didn't have his ESPN job. He could be the lead assistant on the Magic right now, but instead we got Corliss Williamson. So, a bit of a downgrade as far as quality goes. Um, it would have been kind of like a Mario Ellie situation, though, because Chauncey Billups is the epitome of a Magic killer. Yeah. Um, he was almost on that 99-2000 Hard and Hustle team. Uh, he didn't make it through the preseason. So, it was a good chance that the Magic could have both Ben Wallace and Chauncey Billups on their team. And obviously for anyone that's been following the Magic over the past 10, 15 years knows, the Magic uh, had a little bit of a five-year curse, I would call it, from when uh, the team uh, choked away their 3-1 playoff lead in 2003 to Detroit. And then Detroit comes back, wins that series, and then literally the year after that is when they win the NBA Finals in 2004. And I think, uh, if I remember correctly, one of the playoff years where Billups hit a shot, like the clock had not started, and then they couldn't go back and review it, 
and it was like a half court shot at the buzzer and that particular play kind of spurred the some of the replay review rules to change in the NBA moving forward after that of course they counted the shot that shouldn't have counted uh, that was the Stan Van Gundy year when we lost in the second round. But Weren't we on the Sun Cruz Casino for one of those road games? We might have been. I, I can't tell you because I spent all my time throwing up on the Sun Cruz <laughs> Casino. But I think for I, Chauncey... I think I just lost money and then kind of joined you out, out there because I ran out of money. But. I think for Chauncey... Uh, you can't there's no qualms he it's a family decision he said he didn't really want to uproot he's got one daughter left still in the house before she goes off to college and you can't blame him for you know deciding not to move down to orlando and obviously a a tv gig is a lot cushier and there's more longevity than on a coaching staff where there's so much change in the nba i will say the one thing that really grinded my gears on that podcast was he was talking about in 2009 his time in Denver Uh and he goes if we would have just got past LA we would have for sure won the championship against Orlando and you wouldn't have Chauncey we would have beat the Nuggets because Melo's a loser he's a career loser and you had already lost a step that and Denver didn't have Trevor Ariza either so um yeah, I, I would have, God, I would have begged to have Denver. I mean, because the Magic had already exercised their Billups demons, I feel like, yeah. by then. Because, yeah, the Magic lost to, you know, they lost to them in 03. And then they lost again, uh, 06, I believe, was the final Brian Hill year. And then, and then get 08. 08 yep. Where they, you know, after beating the Raptors in the first round to get their first playoff series win in 12 years. In the second round, you know, the Magic lose a pretty heartbreaking series to Detroit. There were some really tight games in that series. Um, you know, I can remember during the regular season, the Magic had brought in Richard Lewis, and Richard on his own hit a game winner that I think the Magic had not beaten the Pistons in like a dozen games right. prior to him winning that game. So even though Detroit would get him in that in that 08 playoffs, you know, from then on, the Magic were out of that five-year curse. So... Uh, just kind of bringing up a little bit of history on that, and it'd be interesting to see if the Magic go after Billups again in the future. Um, I, I could see I, it definitely seemed like Billups is very interested in getting on an NBA franchise. It's just not right now. So that podcast I was I was pretty intrigued by in that regards. Um, I wrote an article this week uh, in regards to a lot of people kind of showing disrespect to the Magic and what they've done this off season. Right. ESPN stats and information guys, I guess, kind of did like a quick one paragraph summary of all the teams in the East or whatnot. And basically, they said the Magic were not going to improve from their 35 and 47 record last season, which I call horseshit on that because the Magic did a lot this offseason to improve. And I just think it's a lot of BS that people seem confused and almost angered that. The Magic made some of these moves and got rid of some guys that maybe on the outside from Orlando, maybe they were more valued on the outside than what you know the people that actually watch some of these guys play, like Tobias Harris, Victor Oladipo, really thought they are. So I think you hit the nail on the head in the fact that the team made wholesale changes. You talk about the starting lineup probably going to have 60% new players in the starting lineup and an 80% difference in terms of rotational players, it's a it's an entirely different team. And you can say they might take a step back or they'll take a step forward, 
but to to project that it's going to be the exact same record again, I'm scratching my head on that one. And like in that little thing, they mentioned that Toronto's going to drop five games because Biombo's gone, and I think they mentioned uh, Louis Scola. Which come on, Louis Scola no, didn't make that much of a difference. It's a human. Corpse. So if you're stating that. Biombo not being on the Raptors is going to have that team be five games worse, then why wouldn't that be, say, a five-game addition to the Magic, or even a few-games addition to the Magic? So, again, I think that was just a lazy piece by ESPN. Sorry if I offend anybody, but I think it was very lazy. And, um, you know, stuff like that kind of fires me up and and gets me in, you know, prove, prove you all wrong type mode. And... You know, again, it's going to be up to the Magic to to decide what they want to be this season. And uh, you and I have both already said this should be a playoff team. And we talked about in the last podcast how I think they got a really good shot to actually win the Southeast Division. So we'll see, and we'll move on from there. Uh, some smaller topics that have been going on of late. Uh, stuff the Magic mascot apparently was crowned uh, NBA mascot of the year. Hi-oh! Um, you and I have kind of had the fun chat before of how – Stuff likes to make those, you know, behind the back, over the shoulder type right. um, half court shots, and how those basketballs are deflated. Um, I feel if you're gonna do it, do it, do it legitimately. Don't de- de- deflate the balls. Like I feel like we're going down like a NFL, like New England Patriots, Tom Brady route right now with yeah. deflating balls. But if you're gonna do it, do it right. Plus, it's like he he's got these huge stuff has these huge green dragon hands okay you don't need to deflate the ball for that you got so, a mitt already attached to um it. i mean I, it's pretty clear a big reason why he won it was because he was so largely involved in aaron gordon's dunk attempts yeah. um, at the slam dunk contest in toronto back in february i think it was three epic dunks that he was involved in and look stuff does a lot of great stuff in the community he's he's everywhere he goes to hospitals he he gets invited to parties and weddings and I think he was at a Steve Aoki concert for like a couple, like a, I can't remember how long ago it was, but um, you know, good for the green guy, and maybe maybe it's a sign that the Magic are going to start winning a bunch of stuff here of late. Who you knows? know, it's no secret that we're both big stuff fans. We both feel that stuff has been on a decline since you know 1989 when it was big, fat, dark green, fat, fat, fat stuff. I like big fat stuff because he looks like he looked like the Philly fanatic back Which is then. Who he was based off yes. of, and uh, incidentally, is the most famous mascot in team sports. But I think I would also say that the skills, the athleticism, has improved. And of course, we remember that two stuffs ago, uh, the portrayer of stuff was fired by the team for marrying a magic dancer right so you know i i, and I, I don't think the team as a whole has actually been good since that happened right so. i don't think this incarnation of stuff is my favorite stuff he's certainly not the most athletic or daring well but, hey he re, he repelled down a hotel like that that takes some balls to do that, that he does, repelled okay, down the hyatt fair. hotel like, he, there's some athleticism there i think there's some originality lacking you know he takes he takes Benny the Bulls like popcorn skit, and, and there's some other stuff that I, I don't really care about. Yeah, the, the dirty little secret of NBA in-game entertainment is that it's all borrowed from every other team. But uh, clearly, my opinion doesn't matter. He was voted the best mascot yeah. in the NBA, and congratulations to stuff. Yeah, I, I think we'll leave it at that. Although, actually, I, I just finished uh, Pat Williams' uh, Making Magic book from 1989, and there's a fun story in there about how they hired the original Magic uh, Stuff mascot. And there's a story about how he's, you know, when he was unveiled, 
you know they had him up in this hotel after like the unveiling and he has a situation where in the hotel room the guy is like getting ready or taking a shower or whatnot and a situation happens where like the whole whole hotel room floods Uh ridiculously floods and he gets to a point where like the fire like those he pulls like the fire alarm and stuff and there's like a huge flooding situation where basically in the end like the stuff costume like drowns to its death <laughs> and they have like, to replace the fucking thing so it's like wet shag carpet and I'm sorry I don't have that book to give to you Penny because I had to leave it in Greece because I literally had no room with all the stuff I was bringing back but um, that's a very fun book to actually read. Uh, Pat Williams will love the plug. He certainly needs more. Uh, I don't think he does. With all the, are you kidding me? How many books he has? He, I think I don't even know how many books he has now. 50 but plus, right? It's a ton. I think yeah. it, it's funny. I think he was making jokes back in the day. For every every child that he had, he had a book for you know for it. So in comparison, but he's well exceeded that now. Working but, on grandchildren now. Um, it's a very fun book. It kind of goes about into some of the even the minor details, like how the design of the jerseys went about. Um, how the original court should have looked like, but the NBA didn't want to have a bunch of stars on the court. Um, there's like an actual picture of what it should have looked like, and it would have looked pretty epic for, for early 90s, late 80s standards. So yeah. um, anyway. Uh, well, that was LeVar Burton with this week's Reading Rainbow. <laughs> uh, other news, uh, the Magic Dance team for 2016-2017 was finalized. Um you know, they they had like a live audition with the 30 finalists at the Amway Center's Disney Atrium um, on Thursday, and uh, you know they chopped it down to 20. I think 14 of the 20 are returning. I'd leave it at that. Uh, it's they have a new dance team and for the I, season. I will stay too, and it's not going to make me popular on the podcast. But as has been discussed ad nauseum, I'm an old curmudgeon asshole and that means I'm not a fan of the extracurriculars at the game. I think there was one game i want to say maybe three or four seasons ago where they cut everything except like they didn't even have organ music during the game but they turned the microphones up on the court and it was yes. just the sneaker you know i love that game. very much that's that's how i'm like red Auerbach. i that's how i want to take in a basketball game i don't the only thing I, you know, leave the kiss cam but take everything else take the you know the magic haven't had a good dance team since royce reed was here that's how i feel about it i'm sure they're talented athletic yeah. dancers yeah. They're not the most attractive, whether that's right or wrong. And then also I feel bad even talking about how attractive they are because they're all substantially younger than me and it makes me feel disgusting. Yeah, um, it's weird because, like, I don't bring this up ever, but there's, like, national media folks that come in and they're, like, they, they bring up how Orlando seems to have, like, one of the worst NBA dance teams whether that's based off looks, whether they're based off performances, I don't know. And there's certainly a lot of young uh, college, let's say, uh, people that would be in their prime to be dance team members in the city. Yeah, and I I, I don't know how, how how this comes about. It's not like they make a lot of money either, they so they, they make a, nothing. So. It's a full-time commitment for probably less than part-time pay. Yeah, so anyway, I, I don't want to dive into that because, I mean... For a lot of them, it's 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 a lot of fun for them. Like yeah. they don't even they don't definitely don't do it for the money. They no. do it just because it's kind of like you and I doing this podcast. It's like our hobby. Their hobby is entertaining fans on a yearly basis. So 
good on them. And congrats to the return returners. Congrats, congrats to, to the, the six new additions. And uh, let's let's have a damn for, good season. Well, looking forward to good choreography next year, I guess, <laughs> during the timeouts. I will say, I think the last home game of the year, and I, this is how we, how interesting I am is I actually look at dance performances and like I critique them in my head yeah. and. I thought some of the choreography was pretty subpar for the most part. Um, the last game of the season was actually pretty fantastic. So well, for what that's they're on for an what's that worth? They're on an upswing. Um, I can say personally that I haven't been a big fan of the dance team since probably 2010. That's probably my last favorite. Magic I'm going to give team. a personal shout out to Katrina from the 1992 squad. Whoa, she was my favorite. We had a bond, and I haven't felt a connection with anyone since. You were like three years old at that time. Well, you know. <laughs> anyway um all right so we're gonna dive into our main topic i want to talk about the olympics at the end too but um i want to talk about uh, our main topic which is i think the magic might have if not the best front court in the east one of the best front courts in the east like top three legitimately and by front court i do kind of want to throw in the small forward position but I want to kind of only throw in guys that will play like the four, like Aaron Gordon. That's why I want to throw him in there, or Jeff Green. So, you know, with Nikola Vucevic, Serge Ibaka, Bismack Biombo, uh, you know, Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon, I think that's a very, very awesome front court. Um, I'll throw some na- I'll throw some teams at you, Spencer, and fairly quickly, if you want to describe it, whatever, let me know what you think as far as, you know, are these front court, do the Magic have a better front court than these teams? Okay. And, if you want to throw some other ones at me afterwards, you can. Um, I'm going to go, yeah, let's go with Chicago first off. Right. Um, they got Robin Lopez. They lost Pal Gasol, but they got Rolo um, in that Derrick Rose trade with the Knicks. Um, they still have Taj Gibson, I believe. Uh, Nikola Mirotic they have. He's playing for the uh, Spanish national team at the Olympics. And uh, depending on how you view Jimmy Butler, some view him as a two, some view him as a three. I'll throw Jimmy Butler in there. I think the Magic actually have a better front court than Chicago. Yeah, I would say certainly they do. I mean, if you include Jimmy Butler, who's one of the best two-way players in the league, then that kind of, you know, muddies it up a bit. But you talk about Taj Gibson is a solid player who will play 40 games a year. He's always dealing with various nagging injuries every season. Yeah, he's on the downslide of his career. Right, and, uh, you know, Robin Lopez is a solid cog on a starting five, but he's not going to bring any extras for you. And we've seen Vucevic has dominated him a lot in the past. Yeah. Like I, I would, I mean, I, the whole point of Aaron Gordon starting at the three is going up against guys like Jimmy Butler. Like I, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be fun. Um, we'll, we'll bring up the champs. How about let's bring up the champs, All Cleveland. Right. Look, because they're the champs, they got to have a better front court than the Magic, probably because yeah. you look at Tristan Thompson, you look at Kevin Love, you look at LeBron James. Okay, I'm yeah. not even touching that. So right. we're going to move on okay. to that. So Magic don't have the best front court in the East. <laughs> Cleveland's got it until un- until we see something else. But I will say I think Tristan Thompson is overrated as hell. Um, even in this past postseason, I didn't think he played that well. He had, I, mean, I, I think two years ago in the finals that they lost to Golden State, played he played better. a lot better because yeah. he needed to get paid, and he yep. got paid. So. In today's NBA... It takes eight rebounds to get $88 million. Yeah, um, but that, that's going to be an interesting matchup because you're going to have Vooch going up against Thompson, most likely. You would have Abaka going up, up against Kevin Love, or maybe you switch the two. Maybe you put Vooch out on, on Love, and then you, pro, you you can look at having beyond, or uh, having uh, Abaka wander around with Thompson there. Right. Who, who knows? Um, then Aaron's got to worry about LeBron James, so... 
I'm that, that's the one thing when people say, "Oh, the Magic might have trouble shooting the ball." Well, we'll see about that. But when you have a, as good of a defensive front court as they're going to have out there, when you have guys like Ibaka and Aaron covering the paint for you, I feel pretty comfortable against against them competing almost every night against any team. Just because I, I want to see what Aaron can do, having to guard LeBron James. 30-something minutes a night. There's certainly a lot of athleticism and length, and if you look at the, I think, the Milwaukee team from two years ago where there's just excess length at every possession where you're really grinding out a possession, and if you force a team, you know, that's the goal of every defense now in the NBA, right? If you force a team to take a contested mid-range shot pretty much every time down the floor, you're going to be happy with the end result, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll give Cleveland the nod just because they're the champs. Well, and grudgingly, you, yeah, yeah. You, you you respect the champs, yeah. of course. Uh, let's let's bring up our old buddy Stan Van Gundy's team. Uh, Detroit, they got Andre Drummond. They have the other Morris brother, uh, Marcus, and uh, we'll throw Tobias Harris in there as well. And they just signed John Lohr, too as like their stretch four. Um, I would say, you know, I guess it depends on how much Drummond improves. You know, he's still ascending to possibly take that Dwight throne as the top, you know, uh, role big in the NBA. I I think the Magic front court is more balanced. I think it's better. Yeah. I think, you know, barring Biombo, they can execute in the clutch and hit their free throws. So, to me, I, I think Orlando has a superior front court. Yeah, Detroit. look, in that, in that situation, Vooch one-on-one would have to probably go one-on-one against Drummond in that regard because this is where Ibaka and Biombo's kind of skinnier frames don't really do so good against guys with big asses like Andre Drummond. I yeah. think that's where Vooch is absolutely essential to have. Um, you know, Drummond, funny enough, I think last week he was playing uh, ball in uh, in L.A. In the, at the Drew League, and he got dunked on twice. And I always kind of wonder what that does to, to the psyches of big men like that because he basically ate like a Pat Garrity on Samuel Dallenbear-type dunk. Yeah. It wasn't an NBA game, but enough of the basketball-watching world has seen clips of, of Drummond getting facialized twice in one day. And you wonder what that does to a guy's psyche, especially a guy like Andre Drummond, who no one thought he would be as good as he has been overall in the NBA so far. Um, we'll see how much more he can improve. I mean, he's a guy who, I mean, the Magic have seen it. He can go 20 and 20. It's, it's, if he's on one of those nights, then, then it becomes a very interesting uh, front court battle between yeah. them. But if he's kind of in and out mentally, I, th- I give the Magic the nod on that. Um, I would agree. And I'm I'm really looking forward to see Aaron Gordon going up against Tobias uh, for, say, 25, 20, 30 minutes a night. And I think, you know, I bet there's still Magic fans that are upset about giving up on Tobias. But now you're talking about Aaron Gordon sliding into his spot in the in the rotation. Who would you rather have at this point? And I don't think that we're being, you know, biased by rather having Aaron Gordon. No, I, I I agree just because we we know what he can do defensively already. We can we'll see what he can do on the other end, but higher if, ceiling. If all he can and he has a huge ceiling, absolutely. I mean, there's the sky's the limit with Aaron at the moment, and I would say maybe he exceeds the sky at this point, but uh, with his jumping ability. But uh like Aaron his offense will come 
his value alone just as a defender makes him a shoe-in starter in my book as long as his defense is, is where we think it's going to be. So Now, here's an interesting one. We talk about Tobias Harris, who's from New York. Mm-hmm. And they have a there's a second super team in the NBA, Adam, and it's, it's in New York, oh. according to Derrick Rose. Their front court, Joe Kim Noah just got a huge contract. Uh, the Porzingad, Kristaps Porzingis. Course, Zinger. They have uh, Carmelo, who will play some four, and former Magic man Kylo Quinn. How do you think they stack up? I mean, that's a good front court if it's healthy. If it's healthy. If it's healthy. Now, here's the good thing here. Noah can't shoot worth a damn, so you can have Vooch on Joe Kim Noah. That's fine. Yeah. You, you, don't lo- you, don't, you don't lose anything on that end. So you can have, be it Porzingis or Melo at the four, you can have Ibaka or, or, or Biombo cover that and. I'm pretty comfortable with that situation. And then even if Melo's at the three, Aaron's big enough to where he can handle Melo. Look, yeah. Melo's going to score 25, 30. You give him that as long as you can take away from the other guys. As long as Porzingis isn't dropping more than 20 on you, you got a pretty good shot at being the Knicks. So um, that's a very interesting matchup because, look, Noah and O'Quinn are both exceptional passers for big men. Yeah. Um, one thing that the Magic will will find out pretty quickly is that Biombo and Abaka aren't exactly assist machines. I think you're lucky if you get one assist each a night from those guys. Now a week. The guy. Uh, hopefully it's not it's not that bad. But um, you know, Vooch last season, even though his rebounds dropped a little bit, his assist he averaged a career high in assists. Excellent thought, facilitator out of the yeah. post and also. When you pop him and he catches the ball at the top of the key, he made really good decisions, you know, quick passing, moving the ball, and, and generating some open shots, which is hard to do with the personnel we had on the floor last season where spacing was at a premium. Yeah, um, I, I think if healthy, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say a push right now with Ooh. the Knicks and the Magic um, just because we know what Noah can do. It's just, can he actually do it? If he's even if he's like at eighty percent health wise, I'll give the magic the nod on that. But yeah. if it's healthy, just because of Melo's scoring ability, you, you got to respect that at least. So I think if we're talking strictly four and five, I'm going Magic. When you include Carmelo Anthony with a lion's share of the minutes, there it's closer to a push. Okay, I'll give you that for sure. Um, I, I I think the Magic have a much better front court than the Sixers, but I, I'm very intrigued by what Philadelphia has right now. You know, they have Julia Okafor, they have Nerlens Noel. Supposedly, one of those two is going to be traded before the season starts. We're going to find out. Right. Um, you know, Brian Colangelo has already done some very interesting things in the draft and in 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 free agency or whatnot. So that team's going to look very very different, but. They also have number one draft pick Ben Simmons, who looks like a three right now to me. Yeah. Maybe even will play some four. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna run him at point too. Well, like, yeah. I mean, he's gonna be all over the court. Point four yeah. could get the Hito Turkoglu, LeBron yeah. James type treatment. We'll see. That'll be interesting. Um, and then they also are gonna finally have Dario Saric, who yeah. is Mario Hazonia's Croatian teammate, and. Uh, and then they got to find some way to get Joel Embiid on the floor too. So and there's a, Joel Embiid, who may and I, I just I, I, that's a that's a wild card at this point. Yeah, but that team is that that right there is a very intriguing front court if they're all healthy. I don't know how you find minutes for all of them. You Again, yeah. I think somebody's getting traded. It might be Embiid who gets traded. Uh, traded. I don't know, but um, in two years that could be a very scary front court. And 
depending on how the start of the season goes for them or you know how the season progresses for them i can see them being a pretty scary matchup come march you know when they're out of the playoff hunt but i mean some of those front court pieces if they figure it out it's they're going to be tough to handle i think yeah it's certainly possible that they will evolve into a scary front court but i'm i'm not worried about them now just based no. on their experience level and also their their complement of skills i think doesn't quite add up or doesn't quite match up to where they're making each other better you know they're playing off each other i think everyone is uh noel certainly has a long way to go on offense okafor has a long way to go on defense one of them will probably be gone yeah and then you know everyone else is a question mark in the nba to date yeah so i mean i think i think philly they'll probably be if not last second to last in the east it's between them and brooklyn at this point so um i got one other team on my list to talk about uh, so obviously i'm taking the magic over the sixers obviously if you didn't know that by now uh, I, I'm going to talk about the Toronto Raptors. They got jo- Jonas Valanciunas, the big Lithuanian. Uh, they got Jared Sullinger from Boston. Um, his weight fluctuation injury issues have been intriguing to watch, but when he's healthy, it's a pretty good big guy right there at power forward. Um, they got Patrick Patterson, Project Pat as I like to call him, who the Magic almost thought about signing a couple of years ago as a free agent who he's a very good three-point shooter that guy i think certainly needs to play a lot more yeah Yeah. and patterson needs to play a lot more i think yeah and we'll see if that happens and you know at the three you got damari carroll so honestly in that type of matchup uh you know let's say they start valanchunas patterson and 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 carroll i i'm taking the magic in that honestly and we're talking about a team that i think won 56 games last season and, you know, I talked about earlier how the ESPN stats guys thought they were going to lose five games because they lost, you know, Biombo and Scola. And yeah. I think the Magic have a better front court than them for sure. Yeah. I think Vooch versus Valanciunas, historically, Vooch has won that matchup historically on its own. And then you throw what Abaka and Biombo can do defensively. And then you throw in Aaron Gordon's athleticism up against a Damari Carroll, where Carroll hasn't really proven he can be much of an offensive on his own type of guy I'm taking the magic in that yeah I think you could argue that them losing Luis Scola's addition by subtraction it opens up more minutes for Scola had some good games in the regular season I had that guy on my fantasy team he he came pretty well in in some games for for Toronto last season he he wore down though and I mean maybe it'll probably be addition by subtraction just because Patterson's going to get those minutes probably but but I think on the whole, if you look at a valid point with Damari Carroll, where he's your he's your fifth best player on the floor on a good team when he's on the floor. That's how he should be. It's a catch and shoot, like a three and D kind of thing. He couldn't quite stay healthy. Valanchunas obviously had injury issues that yeah. opened the door for Biombo to yep. get paid by us. Jared Sullinger, uh, whether it be weight or back issues, you know he's always kind of in flux, in and out of the lineup. There's a lot of question marks there. I would agree that, at the very least, Valanchunas and Vucevic cancel each other out. And I think that I would take Ibaka over any of the power forwards they have yeah, on the roster overall. right now. No, absolutely. Um, do you have any other front court te- teams or t- uh, front courts you want to throw out at me? Yeah, we certainly talked about the Southeast Division on the last show, and there's some intriguing front courts there. We talk about Dwight and Millsap and uh, Whiteside and Bosch yeah. and in Miami. Uh, you know, the one front court that we didn't talk about was Boston, right? 
Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't brought up Boston, and I, I just don't really. I mean, look, they got Al Horford, they got Kelly Olynyk, but I, I still like, I like what the Magic have in comparison to those guys. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on on what Boston brings to the table. I mean, look, it's Jay Crowder's their three, I yeah. assume. So, I mean, they, I think they overachieved a little bit last season with what they had. Um, now they have Al Horford, so you assume it's gonna, they're gonna improve a little bit, but. This is where, this is where it gets a little interesting because I, I think you can easily put Vucevic on Olenek if he's the starting four, yeah. and then you can have Ibaka or Biombo smother Al Horford all, all around the court. Yeah, they do stretch Olenek to the three point <clears throat> line a little bit more now than they used to, which might be a bit of a concern, but. Uh, it's not like Olenek's going to create off the dribble or anything. You not can hide really. Vucevic there. And Horford, the older that he gets, the more that he kind of goes away from the basket. You know, the little uh, top of the free throw line jumper, uh, you know, top of the key jumper. Yeah. And I think Ibaka can certainly stay in front of him and, you know, enough body in the post to keep him from getting to the sweet spots. I I think, to be honest with you, I kind of agree I wouldn't be surprised if Boston took a step back this year. Brad Stevens has been working on like a you know jockey at Churchill Downs. Yeah, he's been working hard. Yeah, and how long does miniature Isaiah Thomas still get his shots off everywhere? And you know they they hit, uh, pay dirt with a couple of trades where they got Jay Crowder for pennies on the dollar and stuff yeah. like that, but. Uh, one person we didn't talk about, Amir Johnson, who's a solid, right, a yeah, solid front I, court player. I always forget about that guy just because his minutes are pretty inconsistent. Everyone forgets so. about him, uh, and they, you know, they were on the fence about whether they were going to pick up his option for the next year or not. So good for him to get a little bit more money in in his pocket. Mm-hmm. But I think on the whole, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if Boston had the same kind of record that they had this year, where they don't make a noticeable improvement, even though they added you know, one of the prized free agents of the summer. Yeah. Um, Indiana doesn't really bother me. Miles Turner is going to be good, but it's, it's not enough to, I mean, Paul George at the three. Yeah. Look, we saw Evan Fournier guard him pretty well. I think Aaron Gordon can do the same thing and you can go back to putting Fournier on George. If Paul slides yeah. down to the two they or whatnot, Al Jefferson, who's going to be mitigated by pretty much anyone we have on the roster. Yeah, Vooch can kick his ass. I yeah. feel like, um, and if not, if, if there comes a situation where Jefferson goes on a spurt, you do like a quick switch where Vooch is out on miles Turner a little bit. And then you, you, you put Biombo or, uh, or Abaka on, on Jefferson. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of people think the Pacers are going to be a top four team. I no I, fucking way. No, I don't see it, man. No, no. like I, mm, I, I, we'll find out. I mean, they'll probably make the playoffs. I'm not saying they won't, but I, I, I don't know about top four at this point. They, they, they got a lot to prove, and it's a new coaching staff under Nick McMillan too. New key players. You know, they they had a good thing going where they had a lot of consistency and continuity, not only with the coaching staff but with the roster course they lost george hill so they have a brand new point good jeff teague might be an upgrade but there's certainly going to be some kind of you know uh process on for, for yeah. the chemistry to come together there um and, and then, a new style right I yeah mean, nate mcmillan is not uh might not be frank vogel let's put it that way yeah no we'll, we'll see i i have my doubts on what indiana can do i mean atlanta we kind of brought them up real quick but i mean who who's guarding Dwight Howard? Who's guarding Paul Millsap? It's going to be Vooch on Dwight. If Dwight's healthy, that gets intriguing. If not, Vooch obviously gets the upper hand. I think overall in that situation, 
I think even if Dwight's at like 80%, I could see a wash now. Dwight's not what he used to be offensively. Yeah. Um, and look, then you got the freedom of having Obaka or Biombo on Millsap. And then you could put Aaron Gordon on Millsap, you could. too. You I know? mean, depending on what you want to do at the three, because I mean, right. that's where I think yeah. they got Kyle Korver at the three. Um, and so can Aaron Gordon run around and cover him? If not, that's where Evan Fournier comes in. And then Aaron Gordon's got covering the shooting guard, maybe. Who knows? So. Um, but that's what we talk about, too. Not only, you know, if you look strictly at the front court, Orlando's in great shape, but the roster versatility that we assembled, you know, we got, you talk about Aaron Gordon guarding a two and maybe playing four or five on the offensive end of the floor. So there's yeah. a lot of opportunities to mix and match, not just between the front court players, but, you know, basically one through five on offense and defense. It's yeah. really exciting. Yeah, I mean, look, Miami, if Bosch and Whiteside are, are healthy and good, you give them the nod as far as front court goes on that. Just I would agree with that. Bosch can drop 30-plus any given night. Um, and then Whiteside is is almost a twenty twenty threat when he's motivated or whatnot. So. And if Bosch is healthy, one of the things, you know, he's a little older now, granted, but they have no go-to score anymore. Wade's, you know, LeBron's been gone. Wade's gone. Now he can ascend to kind of that role that he was in when he was in Toronto, where yeah. he's really a focal point of the offense. But is he healthy? Can they reacclimate him to the style they played last year where they got success and Call me in December after Hassan Whiteside's been cashing checks for a few months and tell me what kind of effort he's putting in on a nightly basis. I'll be I'll be really interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, and, and obviously not a front court player, but Goran Dragic, his motivation plays a big role on whether that's a playoff team or not. Yeah. So we'll find out with them. But I mean, I think the Magic got a top three front court. I mean, honestly, I was looking at it. I mean, look, Cleveland. Maybe I guess Miami, maybe um, maybe the Knicks, maybe if Noah's healthy, it's it's. I think they got a top three, at least the top five front court in the East. And yeah. when you got the front court nailed down, where you got not just points, but you're getting blocks, you're getting rebounds, most likely you're going to be a playoff team. So yeah. I think the Magic are pretty good in that situation. Um, I I can't think of any other teams really. Milwaukee, I, I don't really care for Greg Monroe. That's not gone well. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't consider Giannis Adetokounmpo really much of a front court guy, just because he's running point for them right. a lot of the time. Yeah. So um, I think Milwaukee's not looking like a playoff team right now, in my mind. I, you know, I think that they feel like last year was an aberration, and I'm not so sure that it is. No. You got Jabari Parker. I think you. Got, oh yeah, Jabari uh, Parker. Yeah. Maybe Miles Plumley that they paid a lot of money. Uh, they played. Made, they uh, played. Yeah, they Miles they paid. Plumlee. Yeah, they paid a Plumley too much yeah. money. They they played a a Plum Dog Million or a right. little too much there. So. Um, yeah, I don't think Milwaukee's a playoff team right now. No. But. And John Henson is not good. Can we just say that? No, he's he's long, though, but he's no, long. he's not great. No. I mean, he's he doesn't really change a game. That's He's not a game changer. And so I'm, I'm not worried about Milwaukee. So I, I'm pretty confident that if not at least fourth, I think the Magic have a top three front court. Um, I don't know if you want to agree. I don't know if you want to go even higher than, than third. I don't know. But. I think let's say I'll say top five and, you know, I really like Paul Millsap, so that's kind of, you know, I think Atlanta's right hanging around right there and could be in the picture. A lot of it depends on health. Uh, you know, Vucevic is prone to miss some games from time to time. And but that's why Baca they got too, they have but... both Ibaka and Biombo. That's true. Now, so, yeah. I mean, 
we talk about a lot of options and then maybe you know that's the hallmark of a good team is having you know you do a lot of a lot of cards in the deck so to speak and even you know god forbid they lose two big men let's say it's vooch and abaka are out you start right. biombo at the center you got aaron gordon at the power forward and you can start Hazonia or jeff green at the three yeah that's not fucking bad not bad at all so i mean the magic have the depth that they haven't had since 2010 Maybe we're going to the playoffs. Yeah, we're we're going to the fucking playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I'm very confident in that. So, lastly, I want to finish with the Olympics. Um, they start in Rio de Janeiro Friday, August the fifth is the opening ceremony. Um, basketball begins the next day, Saturday the sixth. Thank God. Um, it's literally more more this year than any other year since 2004, as far as Olympics go. Um, it's literally U.S. Team USA's to lose. Um, they. I mean, they've they've been killing their opposition in their friendlies that they took part in, which wasn't exactly the strongest opposition. They got they faced a a China team that's probably going to finish maybe eleventh out of the twelve teams. Um, they took on an Argentina team that's they didn't really try that hard and they didn't really show you too much. Yeah. You can kind of see, and if you've been watching at all, Argentina's preparation since they got beat by the U.S. by a lot, they've looked a lot better and. I think they have kind of a last hurrah kind of sneaking in their back pocket. Um, and then the U.S. took care of Venezuela, who, God bless them, but I still don't know how Venezuela won the FIBA Americas Championship last year. I don't know because they had Mexico, Argentina, and Canada, and Canada blew it. And Canada's not in the Olympics now yeah. because they couldn't win their Olympic qualifying tournament because they took a, a B team, maybe even a C team, over to the Philippines and got beat by a better France team. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, speaking of France, Evan Fournier did not make the Olympic team. And he's pissed. Um, well, yeah, he should be pissed. And, look, I, I haven't seen him talk about it, and it's a good thing he's not because I'm sure he doesn't have anything good to say. But, look, for a guy that he, – he played huge roles both in 2014 at the World, Champ, at the World Cup and 2015 at Eurobasket – you know, he was on that French team that upset Spain in Spain in 2014. He had a pretty big role in that run. You know, they won bronze in that. They won bronze last year when they should have won Eurobasket. But, unfortunately, they, they shat the bed. And Spain took the tournament in France kind of as a as a payback to 2014. So, yeah. um, you know, you look at what France had to do in the Olympic qualifying tournament. They beat teams like New Zealand. They beat that crappy Canadian team that didn't even have Andrew Nicholson, didn't have other guys like uh, Olenek or Wiggins, I don't believe. So um, I think all they had was Corey Joseph basically kind of maneuvering them a little bit. So um, Canada was awful. Maybe their toughest team that they faced was Turkey. And Turkey's not what it used to be since Hito Turkoglu Retired and Ersan Ilyasova yeah. or whatever, but um, Turkey Turkey's okay, but they're not great. So France won, and for some strange reason, uh, their France's head coach Vincent Collet did not uh, decide to add uh, Fournier onto the team once Fournier officially signed his contract, which was literally about a day before the Olympic qualifying tournament final. So he couldn't join them in the Philippines because. He doesn't have the. He didn't have the insurance first off because he was a free agent. Yeah, you, you don't see high-profile free agents like Fournier play for their national team when they're not under contract. Like you can't risk an injury and then lose all those millions of dollars. I'm yeah. sorry, not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But he paid for not being there, which is bullshit because Rudy Gobert didn't play for for the French team. 
during the qualifying tournament, supposedly because he was either unfit or he had like an ankle injury or whatever. But he didn't play. But because France is so desperately needing a big man to compete for a medal, they took in Gobert. So if you're going to stick to, oh, I don't want to fuck with the team chemistry. I don't want to, you know, I want to stick with the 12 guys that got me to the Olympics. Okay, then don't add Gobert then, asshole. So, um, sorry, I'm very not happy with uh, Coach Collet. But um, I think it's always an interesting <laughs> dynamic when you talk about the Olympics and the interest of the team as opposed to the interest of the player, right? I mean, yeah, certainly it doesn't hurt for them to get you know, players are going to play during the summer regardless, and to play in that environment is a very cool personal accomplishment and achievement. I mean, the fan atmospheres alone are awesome. So. But it might not be the worst thing in the world for the Magic for Fournier to not play in those games and, you know, maybe sustain an injury where they just gave him a bunch of money and he's going to have an increased role where he's really going to be a vital piece of the team for this upcoming season with a lot on his shoulders. You, you, know, you try and see both sides of the coin. It makes it very difficult. I know uh, Gravis Vasquez just got basically told by the Nets that he couldn't play yeah. in the Olympics. And uh, you, know, you see that with some of the Spurs guys, too, Ginobili in the past and stuff like that. And Yao Ming playing for China basically helped to derail his career yeah, faster. No, so yeah. it's a, that's a tricky, uh, you know, two sides of the coin situation to try and navigate that dance every two years, every four years. Yeah, look, I know you get paid by your club or you get paid by your team or whatnot, but... At the end of the day, I am always a country first. Like you play for pride, you play because this is this is the fun part of being a professional basketball player, right, right here. Because you're bonding with your countrymen. You are you're not doing it for the money. You're going out there to literally represent your country to try and bring glory to your country. And I know that type of stuff isn't a big deal here in the U.S. Just because Team USA has been dominant for a long time. They haven't lost lost a game in a major tournament since Greece knocked them out of the 2006 World Championships. Had to get that in there. Hell yeah. <laughs> we, you know, we haven't seen the U.S. lose a game in a decade almost. So yeah. when that, you know, when that type of stuff happens, that that interest level kind of goes out by the wayside because most people just aren't aren't expecting the U.S. to get challenged, and most likely they won't. But you never know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking at at who's in Team USA's group. So there's 12 teams in the Olympics. In Group A, it's it's France, the U.S., Venezuela, Serbia, China, and Australia. Um, top four in each group. Uh, you know, there's two. You know, top four in each group move on to the knockout stage. And <clears throat> the only person that can really, you know, challenge the U.S. is France. And I feel like France would have actually had a good chance if they took Fournier, but right. they're not. Yeah. And the fact that guy that a person like Antoine Dio is is there instead of Fournier is is just awful. It's it's favoritism to a guy that played for the coach's club team over in Strasbourg or whatnot, and I just hate that type of stuff. Fournier is by far, if not a top three player on that team, at least the fourth best player on that team because they got Gobert, they got Batum, Dio Boris Dio is not any not any good anymore. Sorry, um, it's. Yeah, um, whatever. And then Tony Parker's going down by the wayside. Um, they got Nando DiColo. Fournier's better than DiColo, even though DiColo has already risen as the as the point guard savior of the future, pretty much. Is Florent Petrus still hanging around? Florent Petrus is there, and I got no problem with Florent being yeah. there just because he's kind of he's pretty much the cap. He's the, he's the heart of that team. Yeah, I get that. That's fine. But when you have guys like Dio, and I mean, I. 
I, and like Charles Cahooty, I'm I'm sorry, you can't do that. Fournier needs to be in there. So I'm kind of secretly hoping I'm not secretly hoping. I'm hoping that France does not get a medal now because the coach screwed up by not having Fournier go. Yeah. So um, obviously, I'm sure Evan wants his team, his country to do as well as possible, but it sucks not being there. He should be there. He deserves to be there, and I mean he'll. He's not going to miss as long. Other than another like free agency situation or injury popping up, this situation won't ever happen again where Fournier's not included in the national team for these type of major tournaments until he's deep in his thirties, probably. Yeah, so poor timing. It sucks, but you know that's hopefully he's he should be. Hopefully France will get a chance in twenty sixteen if they make the Olympics in twenty sixteen or in uh, twenty twenty. Sorry. Yeah. So um, anyway. And then in Group B, we're going to talk about Mario Hazonia because he's the only Magic representative at these Olympics. He's with Croatia. Croatia knocked out Greece and knocked out Italy in the uh, Olympic qualifying tournament. Um, you know, leading up to that final against Italy in Turin uh, on Italian soil. You know, they they beat a Greece team that just looked bad. Um, Adet Kumbo had an awful game. Nikolaitis looked like a bum at point guard, not the Euro League quality starter that he should be. So. Um, Greece was awful. Croatia, Croatia got lucky that Greece was so awful that game. So, in but, fact, Kalathis played so awful that the Sacramento Kings are now trying to sign him. So that should tell you. Which and but Kalath, but because the Kings are such an awful franchise, yeah. he actually turned them down. Right. He's staying in Greece. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, I get to kick Sacramento yeah. while it's down again somehow. Group B is going to be. T- I think it's going to be tough for Mario to get out. Uh, you know of the first round into the knockout stage you got argentina you got spain you got brazil who may or may not have verge up but they still got like nene and barbosa i believe so yeah. that they're still they're still there they're still in it and lithuania always has a pretty decent club and then of course you have the powerhouse uh from afrobasket yeah nigeria nigeria um they have our boy uh lumadeo yadeji still getting 35 years old and trucking still yeah um that's a pretty interesting squad if they get everybody i don't know if festus azili's on that team or not but they still got al farouk amino um they they, they've got some young up-and-coming type guys like they got ike diago still um that's a nigeria team that could surprise some people if you underestimate them um one thing i give croatia credit for even though they don't have a really good um, center. Um, you know, they can get away with playing, you know, Dario Saric at the center or point guard or whatever, and you can have Mario Hazonia playing point guard. And that's what happened with Hazonia at the Olympic qualifying tournament. He played some point guard. He was a big reason why they beat Italy in Italy to get to the Olympics. So um, Croatia is probably the most battle-tested team going into the Olympics, so they do have that going for them. Um I, I think they got a shot at actually getting a medal. It just depends on where they land in the bracket or where they land in, in the group as far as progressing goes. Um, Mario is not starting for them. He's he's coming off the bench. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich is the starting shooting guard, and they got Saric starting right there as well. Um, and they have uh, Krunoslav Simone, who's actually a really good shooter for them. He's out there. So, But Hazonia is a six-man um, he's he's shown good moments. He just scored 17 points against Argentina last night uh, in a game where Croatia's starters did not give a damn about playing any any uh, any hard in that game. Uh, so, but Mario looked good. He looked like the fastest guy in the court, which I like seeing. Um, and I'm excited to see what Mario can do in his first Olympics. So here's my question uh-huh. for you. Yeah, let's go first. Uh, 
your prediction on how Mario will fare during the tournament, and then uh, to cap it, gold, silver, and bronze. Oh boy. Okay. Um, gosh. So I think Croatia will finish second in the group behind Spain. Um, funny enough, their first game is Sunday, August 7th against Spain. So if Croatia can beat Spain, you're off to a pretty damn good start um, as far as that goes. And so and I think Argentina's tricky because they're, 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 getting, they're, they're getting up there in age, but they still got some fight left with them. Lithuania might be is a team that might actually be the best to go up against the U.S. just because they have the size, they have enough three-point shooting where they could kind of threaten the U.S., but... Um, I think Hizonia is going to average probably like eight or nine points per game, get about three rebounds here and there, three assists there, maybe like a steal and a half. And I think that's actually not a bad tournament for him just because, again, look, in these type of tournaments, you're not going to see guys average 20 points per game often unless they're playing for really bad teams. Like if you're Dirk Nowitzki playing for Germany, which they're not in it, but I'm just saying as an example. Um, In these situations – if Mario gets a, a double-digit scoring per game, he's had a really good tournament. Um, I, I'm very curious to see what, what that basketball team's experience will be in Rio and Mario's experience in Rio. Um, already, I got a feeling this could be the worst Olympics ever, um, not, and that's including some of the horrific things that have happened in past games, whether it be bombings, whether it be kidnappings and killings. Um, this, this, these Rio games are really off to an awful start, and they haven't even begun yet. Um, you know, they there's people getting kidnapped. There's people, you know, the facilities are awful. There's the worry about the Zika virus. The water is awful. Like, literally, it is, like, soaked in shit everywhere. <laughs> um, there's shit everywhere. But, um, you know, it's I, – I, you know, the good thing about – Teams of, of this size or whatnot with basketball teams, just teams in general when they go to the Olympics, they're pretty sheltered for the most part. You know, there's the athlete Athletes Village, and most people don't wander from the Athletes Village. I know Team USA is going to be spending their time on an actual, like, boat, on an actual cruise ship. Um, I think uh, Croatia's chilling in a hotel somewhere, but uh, I'm excited to see what Mario can do. There's kind of some weird rumors going on as far as his his – what type of weight or situation he's in or whatnot. Um, you know, before they started prepping for the Olympics, you know, Mario looked like he put on like 20 pounds of muscle. And then the, there's, you know, one of the uh, Croatian coaches was saying how his lost eight kilograms or like 17 pounds. And I'm just thinking, Oh, okay. Well, what was his weight going in and what was his weight? You know, what's his weight now? Is he the same? And is he just all muscle or, or whatnot, because there's kind of the rumor from the Croatian coaching staff that Mario was having knee pains, which I hate hearing about guys that young. Um, but I kind of take that stuff with a grain of salt. So I'm just going to assume Mario is, is in the best shape of his life at this point, and he's ready to take the world by storm. Um, as far as what Croatia will do, Croatia hasn't had won a medal in a major tournament in two decades now. So if they can get on the podium, that would be epic for them. Um, they they would I mean the passion that that their fans would have that that team would have it it would be something to see. Um, they have to get a little bit lucky I think because if you look at the at the at the U S side of the bracket you know like I said U S is in Group A um, you know Croatia is in Group B so if the U S for instance finishes in first in in Group A then it's probably you know a good situation that Croatia if they can't win their group. 
um, that they actually finish in third in their group because if you finish it in second in group B then you have to face the US prior to the medal round so um, you know we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes and I, I think Croatia will actually if you know they'll finish mm, maybe third actually I mean you know Whoa. what I think they're gonna play they're gonna finish third um, I, I said they were gonna finish second in their group yeah. you know behind Spain but let's say Lithuania takes second in the group and then I'll say Croatia takes third in that group and so Croatia strategically strategically places themselves in a spot where they will they will eventually play themselves to the third place match I'm looking forward to seeing. Mario Hazonia on TV playing with the round ball rock theme going for, you know, Olympic activity. But obviously, United States takes the gold. I think Pau Gasol Seaman takes the silver. And uh, France will go ahead and finish bronze. That's my prediction. Okay. That's, I, I don't know how that, I don't even know if that's possible, depending on how the groups play out or whatnot. But I mean, that's, that, those are your top three teams. Um, I actually think France is the team that can best challenge the U.S. Again, they would have been a lot better with Fournier. Um, Spain takes a few steps back because they don't have Marcus Saul and they don't have Serge Ibaka chose not to join them. Um, and so other than that, you got Lithuania, you got Serbia, and then somewhere around there is where Croatia could maybe really be a surprise. Um, you know, Argentina, they have uh, summer leaguer Patricio Garino who just signed with the Spurs, so good on him. Um, and then, of course, Lithuania, they haven't finalized their roster yet, but it's assumed that DeMontis Sabonis will be on that Lithuanian team. Nice. So if the Magic uh, Magic fans want to take a look at how uh, how Sabonis will look against the international competition, that's the time to do it. So, um, you know, any other final thoughts on the Olympics? Or I'm, I'm really excited about the NBA on, on NBC intro theme. I yeah. am just because, you know, it's since, since the NBC gave – up their NBA coverage about 13, 14 years ago. I think 2002 was the last year they did it. Yep. The only time you hear that intro now is during the Olympics. So um, I get quite aroused by that intro. Um, <laughs> it's 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 awesome. I, I love I love John Tesh's intro. Song, I think so. he gets aroused every time it gets played too. It seems like he does. Yeah. But uh, do you have any other final thoughts as far as you know Olympics go? Uh, any other, other other stuff that we talked about? Uh, I think Chauncey Billups still sucks. I think the Magic <laughs> have a great front court. I think we're going to the playoffs. I think Hazonia will score five points a game. And I think the United States will win a gold medal. That's where I stand on this episode. All right, that sounds about right. Yeah. So on that note, uh, we will uh, leave you here. Again, we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast and uh, subscribing. Please subscribe. Please rate us. Please leave reviews. Uh, it makes us look better. Uh, you can follow the uh, MagicBasketballOnline.com uh, story-only Twitter feed, at MagicMBO. Spencer, what's your Twitter handle? It's at Spencer Strode, and please tweet me. <laughs> and I'm at um, Papa Giorgio MBO. Yeah, you can tweet me. Man, He'll take it or you. leave it. I'll take it or leave it. So on that note, uh, we will see you next time. Thank you.